Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and pop culture collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zandbergen. Welcome to our show of Dream Chasers and Wealth Makers. We are thrilled to be back in studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and the difference makers who are passionate about what they have learned and what you need to know today. And today, Paul, one of my favorite time of year is to do one of our wine shows. Ah, okay. And what better way to do that than to bring in one of the premier wine, wines and wineries in the country, if not the world, Dow, and my buddy Josh Lavis from Dow Wines. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, Bart. It's, it's good to be back. Well, I'm, yeah. wa- I'm wondering if this has anything to do with the election that's going on today right now. For those listening later, we're taping this on Tuesday, election day here. And I'm wondering if we all need a slug of wine to get through this thing here. I would say most likely. <laughs> and if it's now, even the better. A couple of bottles, maybe. <laughs> exactly. So for those who uh, may not remember, Josh is a 15-year veteran in the wine industry. He is a CSW, which is a certified specialist in wine. And he's recently moved, so he's now covers the central U.S. division. He's a manager for Dow Wines. And the one thing I find interesting about you, Josh, I didn't know until I just re-reviewed your bio that you were going to go into law. So this is a far cry from the law. How'd that happen? Thank goodness I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah, you know, I was uh, just graduated uh, from college, um, was trying to find find myself. I was working for an attorney who was considering potentially going to law school Thankfully, the attorney that I was working for talked me out of it. He knew that my heart wasn't in it. He basically said, look, Josh, if, if you're not 100% in and you want to become an attorney, I strongly suggest you reconsider. <laughs> and, and I did. And, and shortly after, I, I got in, got my first wine job. And it's, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. That was over 15 years ago. So well, it stuck. Well, Josh, I got to tell you, you made the right decision because I did go to law school for a year and hated it. Oh, my goodness. And couldn't wait to get out of it and get back into radio here. So, yes, they, he was right. <laughs> and we have, you know, this is nothing against lawyer. We have special, we have a lot of friends, a lot of guests who are lawyers that, and it just, everyone is, uh, has their calling, right? So 100%. Josh, so glad that you chose wine as your calling. How are things? How the, um, we actually haven't talked or got caught up in a while. How are things in the Midwest? How are things in the wine industry? Wow. You know, believe it or not, there's a lot to be thankful for this year. I had my first child. Uh, my wife and I welcomed our, our daughter this past March. Yeah. Very interesting time to, to welcome your first child. <laughs> uh, we, we literally went into the hospital basically pre-COVID. And then as we were leaving, it was a completely different world. Uh, wow. So. But, but very thankful. We've been able to spend a lot of special time with her. Yeah. Uh, the wine business is actually amazing. It's, I know it's been a tough year for some, uh, but uh, we're you know, continuing to just have an incredible year at, at Dow. You know, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely, I wish I could say that for everybody. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Between COVID and, and, and the fires uh, up in Northern California, it's been a crazy difficult. I didn't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, we are going to, for sure. We're going to talk about the fires. Um, a couple of things I have seen, um, pictures of your new, of your family and, and, um, and again, congratulations. And it's a, such a special time. So I hope you enjoy that. 
and I kind of thought you might say business was good and I'll, I'll just share a little story. So early on during COVID, you know, kind of during the grocery store, grocery store, um, um, scenarios. And, um, you know, I made a comment to the checker at one point at Whole Foods. I'm like, I'm just kind of shocked that toilet paper is the first thing that you're out of and not, not alcohol. And, um, early on she said, yeah, I just really, I really don't believe it. And then about a month or six weeks in, I was at the same store and saw her again. She goes, Oh, I remember you. She goes, by the way, have you noticed the wine shelves? They're empty. So it went from <laughs> toilet paper to alcohol, which um, kind of makes sense when you're locked in a house. <laughs> Absolutely. So what I really want to uh, talk about, many things today. And so the kind of the theme of the show is, hey, Thanksgiving is coming up. And so I want to talk about pairing both traditional and then let's talk about non-traditional. I think that would be fun. I want, I'd love for you to spend some time just talking about Dow, um, you know, George and Danny, the brothers, how, you know, give a little background on, on how Dow became Dow wines. Um, and then of course the fires, how that's affecting everybody. So there's, I mean, there's a lot going on in the next uh, 23 minutes. So um, let's, let's fill everybody on Dow for someone who may not know who Dow is, and then let's go from there. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So Dow. Uh, so the name, the name Dow is actually the last name of George and Daniel Dow. Um, they are Lebanese by birth. Dow actually means light uh, in Arabic. It's a beautiful name, uh, beautiful story. Uh, I first met the brothers um, in, in Beverly Hills, actually, um, at uh, the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Uh, they were releasing our, our most famous wine called Soul of a Lion mm. uh, at the Beverly Wilshire and I was invited to go um, to this release event and just to see the amount of support and people that came out, you know, to celebrate the release of, of Soul of the Lion. And, uh, you know, I heard George and Daniel speak of, about their life story, you know, being born in Beirut and, you know, narrowly escaping, you know, there was, you know, the Civil War there in the 70s, one of the first rockets that went off landed at their childhood home. George Dow was in a coma for, for like four days, uh, Danny, his younger brother, uh, still has shrapnel right next to his heart uh, wow. in his face. And uh, George told me the story you know, when he woke from his coma, you no, know, Danny was by his side. Keep in mind, they're eight and four years old. And, and as an eight-year-old, George said, we became men that day, mm. which is, uh, which yeah. is just, it that's kind deep. of blows my mind. Yeah, that's deep. Very deep. And anyway, um, you know, their, their story is very intriguing. They, they went through a lot. They, they were able to escape Lebanon and they moved to Paris. So they grew up in France and then, of course, came to the U.S. George came first to go to college, wanted to study uh, engineering. His first love was math, wound up all the way down in, in San Diego at UCSD, graduated top of his class. Um, Danny, his brother, followed him. He studied computer engineering. They started a company literally as, you know, young men. With, you know, the weight of the family on their shoulders who were basically had no money left and uh, worked extremely, really you know, extremely hard um, with no financial banking. And then uh, in let's see, 1997, they, they took this company, they started Dow Systems, they took it public in 97. It was a tech company, so good timing. <laughs> uh, and they were, it was the third highest IPO that year. Um, a couple of years later, they wow. wound up, um, you, know, you know, selling out their shares, selling the company. So they had, you know, a lot of money in their, in their back pocket. But, you know, when they were kids, especially Danny, you know, his, his dream was always to, to become a winemaker. So this was sort of a, 
Mm-hmm. This was a, a means to an end, if you will. Yeah, for sure. and, um, it took him 10 years to find the, this, this perfect terroir, which uh, he calls a rare phenomenon in, in of all places in Paso. You needed to find terroir. Not everybody knows what terroir means. Yeah, terroir, it's a, it's a French word. It, it gets lost in translation a little bit into English, but it, yeah. it roughly means sort of environment. It could be the climate, the soil, um, the topography, the way the sun hits the vineyards. It's, it's sort of an all-encompassing thing. It's kind of hard to define. But yeah, um, I love that word, though, yeah. and what it means. Yeah, it's a great word. Um, you know, anyway, I could, I, we could probably do a whole show on Dow. But, just, uh, and just there was. Um, <laughs> you know, but just to sum it up, you know, so we, uh, we are a winery in, in the Adelaide district of Paso Robles in the central coast of California. Uh, we just celebrated um, our ninth harvest, no, our 10th harvest this year. Oh, that's it. Uh, okay. That's it. Yeah. What yeah. we've accomplished in, in, in a decade is truly incredible. Yeah. So, and I do want to move on, but because I think this is um, breathtaking. How did Dow Mountain come about and how did they get that piece of property, which is arguably the best location in Paso Robles from a view? And I think from Terroir as well. So this, I think is just, a, it's, it's so beautiful and, and sort of ironic, you know, Georgia Daniel, we're, we're in the tech industry. And um, I actually asked Daniel this very question, how he found it. And I'm not making this up. <laughs> Googled, he Googled <laughs> uh, calcareous clay soil. And, and, and that's, that's important. That soil is the same soil you find in Bordeaux, which are some yeah. of the greatest Cabernets are, are made. But it's very rare to find in California. And Paso Robles kept coming up. And, you know, and I don't know if he was kidding or not, but he didn't, he'd never heard of Paso, Paso Robles. <laughs> He thought yeah. it was in Texas or something. <laughs> um, anyway, they drive up there. Um, there was this property for sale. They drove up to the top, top of the mountain there or hill. And uh, they sat on the back of their tailgate and they just knew immediately that this was the place. And it turns out it was a very historic place. It was a site of the first commercial winery in Paso. It was called Hoffman Mountain Ranch. It was uh, oh. started by the the famous Andre Chelichev and Dr. Stanley Hoffman back in the late 60s, early 70s. Hmm. So they, they bought the property and, and, uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, yeah, and some great, great wines. Okay, let's let's roll into wine pairing for the holidays. Specifically, we have Thanksgiving coming up. Yeah. So I'm going to start with a little kind of a story, and then let's let's expand on that. So when I took my certified Psalm test, the thing I was most petrified of was you know not the the academic part, which was the the written test. The tasting is, I'm not naturally at, but I knew I could get through that. But the service for me was, was the, what I was petrified of because I'd never worked in the service industry. So one thing leads to another, I have some master sommelier, who's my, who's my judge, if you will, or teacher. Um, and at the end, it wasn't the most difficult challenge. He says, Hey, after we went through the, you know, the aperitif and, 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 you know, first course and all this stuff. And then he threw at me as I'm, you know, opening a bottle of sparkling wine and serving it properly. Um, he said, okay, we're having a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. What wine are you going to recommend? So again, not the most challenging, right? So you, one would think so immediately in my head, I'm like, okay, I was expecting something more difficult, but okay, let me, this is basic. So I'm thinking Turkey kind of buttery Turkey. So I thought in my head, I go, I have two answers. It's going to be an oak Chardonnay, you know, more buttery. And then I thought I would also offer, Hey, for the cranberry, I would do a Pinot Noir, basic wines, basic meal, right? And so when I started to answer and I said, well, as a matter of fact, I would have two selections for you. And he says, just one. 
So then I had to pivot or not pivot, but I had to make a decision. I had to fork the road. It's a decision. So like, so I, I fall, defaulted to the Chardonnay, right? And I went through that whole thing. And then on my test results, even though I passed, right? My test results, he said, you should have gone Pinot Noir. <laughs> so anyway, I le- bring that in as a lead because I think those are two of the classics. Um, I'll let you expand on that. But I think we can go, even with a classic meal, we can go beyond that and bring in some other wines. And then let's talk about there's meals that aren't classic for, for Thanksgiving, and we'll, we'll talk about some wines there. So I'll let you chime in. I know that experience, Bart. I also took the uh, level two exam and service was, was <laughs> I, I was so nervous uh, taking the exam. So I, I, I know exactly what you went through. So bravo for, for passing. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> did not. I did not. So yeah, I've put some thought into this and, you know, I'm going to, you know, per your, you know, your comment, I, I came up with a couple traditional and a couple non-traditional pairings. Right. For me, it's always tough. This was a tough one because Thanksgiving meals are, they vary so, so much. You right. Really the only constant is, is the Turkey. Um, yeah. And you have such a myriad of different side dishes You know, everybody has their own family recipes or, you know, they <laughs> see something on, you know, on social media that they want to try that year. So ultimately I try to focus on two things when picking wines for Thanksgiving uh, and starting with the traditional pairings. Number one, I think about wines that um, remind me of the season, um, you know, and I think of Thanksgiving, I think of like autumn spices mm-hmm. uh, and flavors. So like things uh, like clove and, and allspice, cranberry, sage, things like yeah. that. Cinnamon, maybe. Cinnamon, uh, totally. Yeah. The other thing I think about is, you know, the kind of the main part of Thanksgiving, which is the turkey. Mm-hmm. And it's typically pretty mild tasting. If you think about turkey, it's, yeah. you know, usually the gravy and other things that make it, you know, more flavorful. Um, so for me, I look for wines with lighter tannin, typically mm-hmm. moderate acidity, um, but, but typically have a little bit bolder flavors and po- possibly if you like, you know, earthiness, maybe a little bit of earthiness in the wine. So basically for all the Cabernet lovers out there, myself included, you may want to keep your bottles of Cabernet um, in the <laughs> cellar for this particular yeah. meal. Uh, now, if you love Cab, it, you know, ultimately, by all means, uh, bring it out, but it's yeah. not, the, not the best pairing. So I actually went, two of my three were actually the same ones that you had pointed out. Okay. So I went with Chardonnay yep. for one, for white. Yep. It's, uh, you know, the best examples in my opinion, come from either California or Burgundy, France. Yep. Uh, you mentioned an oaky Chardonnay. That's mm-hmm. definitely you want to find a, an oaky or Chardonnay that has a nice richness. You know, it's going to really help with that with that turkey. You know, and the turkey can be dry too, so you want that sure. you know yeah. kind of creamy quality that a lot of you know Burgundian and California Chardonnays have. And then I went Pinot to your point, um, and to me, it this. Yeah, a little bit more options here. I mean, this could come from California. It could come from Burgundy. It could come from Oregon. All make phenomenal Pinot Noir. Um, right. And this one is probably your best bet. Yeah, uh, I think for, for classic Thanksgiving. Agreed. And then my my third is, to me, it's probably the number one all-American wine choice. And you probably are going to have a guess on which Does it start with an S? Does it start with an S? It actually starts with a Z. Uh, got it. Yeah, and so, that's a it's a good Paso wine. Okay, go ahead. So I went Zinfandel, sort of the yep. all the all American Thanksgiving wine, because at yep. one point it was the most planted mm-hmm. variety in California, and that's 
that's certainly not the case anymore, but um, you know, this was sort of prior to prohibition. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that one really amplify a lot of those um, kind of, you know, fall flavors, the, the clothes yeah. and the spice. So um, I, I hadn't thought of Zimmerdale, but I, when you say it, it makes sense. I was going to go for the cab lover for the, a little more full red. I would have gone Syrah as a, it's kind of a good, you know, right there back up behind a Pinot, but for more for the cab lover. And I think mm -hmm. it probably would accomplish a lot of the same. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think that's, that is another one. I actually had that originally, but I, I took it out. So. <laughs> all right. So we're on the same, we're thinking along the same lines. Yep. And then you started mentioning all the flavors. And then I'm wondering, I know it's more of a fragrant white uh, and I've done this before and I think it went well. What do you think of a Viognier for as a white option? Mm -hmm. too, too um flavorful or, or or fragrant rather or you think it's okay i th i think it i think it could work uh, depending on you know some of the side dishes i think maybe if you were having let's just say you were going to have a ham instead of a turkey i think yeah it could be a, a good pairing and, and um you know my personal opinion, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of Viognier. Um, Nor am I actually, but trying to <laughs> but be unbiased here. Are, right. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe somebody who really likes that really fragrant aromatic um, type of wine that like a Viognier would be great or like maybe a Riesling. Also. Yeah. That's funny you said Riesling. I was just going to go to that. Obviously, as we know from wine training, one of the best, easiest pairing wine along with sparkling wine. And I'll never forget from my, uh, one of my wine teachers, um, his comment was, the wine that I drink all day while I'm thinking about the, what I'm going to have as wine for dinner is my Riesling. So that's a good day drinking wine, lower in alcohol, easy to pair, easy to drink. So I think Riesling is a great choice for that. Agreed. Um, so if we go now, I think we've hit traditional, we've gone slightly beyond traditional, you know, ham, you're right. That I think is often served. I think lamb, I, I know mm -hmm. people who are, are doing lamb, um, that kind of, that changes seeing the dynamics just a little bit. We'd probably want a bigger, more full, heavier tannin wine. I think you can do a Pinot Noir, right? But you would probably want to step it up to either the Zin, either the Syrah, or you could Cab or what Malbec, Merlot, something in the, along those lines. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, th I think you certainly do do all of those. Um, you know, I, I went a little bit more outside the box on some of my non-traditional oh, ones. Let's have it. Um, Rosé. Would be, uh -huh. would be one actually, you know, pink wines are, are certainly extremely hot right now. I mean, they've been hot for quite a number of years and they're continuing to be very popular and, you know, especially, you know, in, in, in OC, I'm sure you have listeners all over the, all over the country, maybe the world. Um, it's rosé season in Southern California year round. <laughs> yeah. And these are, it's actually, if you get a good dry rosé, I mean, they're crisp, they're fruity, they're, you know, yeah. they're dry, they're perfect to, you know, to pair with. Um, which uh, which varietal do you prefer yourself for a rosé? You know, traditional rosé from Provence, which is like the, mm -hmm. you know, the birthplace, maybe not yeah. the birthplace, but it probably it's, is. I think it, it is. Yeah. You know, it's that's like the place for rosé is, is Provence in the south of France. And they traditionally use Grenache. Right. And then they will use a couple other great varieties. Uh, we actually, Dow, just, you probably have seen it. Uh, we just launched our, our first rosé this year. Uh, we've been super excited about that. I mean, I think they pour it by the glass at the, at the montage, which is pretty exciting. Oh, that's great. But um, we make that with 95% Grenache and a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc, actually. Just oh, is that right? 
Wow. So it's, it's quite traditional to add a little bit of white wine. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's my pick for rosé. And then you got Beaujolais, which is interesting. One. Great choice. Great choice. Yeah. That's like the, I know it's popular in Europe, but you don't see it much here in the States, right? Or maybe you do. A little bit, but you're, I think you're right. It's, it yeah. hasn't quite caught on. And, and the, the thing about Beaujolais is to me, it's um, not a poor man's uh, Burgundy, like Pinot right. Noir, but it's yeah. it's just south of Burgundy in France. And it certainly has a very similar quality. It's very, it's lighter. Um, great, great wine though. Great pairing with things yeah. like so you, I was going to help. Yeah, I was going to expand on that. So the southernmost point of Burgundy, um, and it's one I think you can serve chilled. I think it's lighter in body than than the traditional Pinot Noir, but that's a great non-traditional choice. I like that yeah. for, for sure. Um, and that's another one that that's I encourage people who are you know who listen to your to your show that are you know really into wine to maybe do some research into Beaujolais and Beaujolais Nouveau. It's kind of a a cool yeah. story, especially Beaujolais Nouveau and tied around Thanksgiving every year. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other one was Amarone. Oh, so now you're really going out. Okay. All right. Talk about that. So I think this one, especially if you're having a, you know, uh, like lamb or ham instead of a turkey, you know, this uh, Amarone from, from Italy, which is, you know, gives you this kind of a rich dried cherry, chocolatey, you know, flavor profile. It, it, um, it can kind of, accentuate like the sweetness of like the ham, for example. Um, and it does believe or not have a little bit of acidity, which acts as a palate cleanser. Yeah. It's a really cool wine. As you know, Maroni, it's, it's, it's quite expensive to make just because of the way they make it, you know, with drying the grapes up on like straw mats and the wrappers. Oh, right. So right. it's just a little bit of tiny bit of juice that they get out of it. Um, but that to me, that was probably the most out of the box um, yeah. you know, wine choice, but yeah. it can be really phenomenal wines. Yeah. So um, I'll add one. This is just right off the cuff. Um, it's not going to have the same oakiness, but it, this will be more in line, I think, with the Riesling. I am over the last probably year and a half or two years have become a huge fan of Chablis. Mm. Not the old school California Chablis, but the Chablis that really comes from Chablis, Burgundy, France. You know, I love the Chardonnay grape and I love the crispness. And that might be in the scheme of the Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe that's even before the turkey. Maybe that's at the, the salad course or during appetizers or maybe instead of sparkling wine. Um, what, what are you thinking, Paul? I'm thinking I'm losing my mind here. I got two sophisticated wine guys, and they're talking about rosé and Chablis. Uh, I thought that was what I had to throw out 20 years ago when I started into wine here. So when 20 did, years ago, you did, because the, wine, the Chablis and Rosé was different then. Yeah. Uh, when, did those two, uh, when did those two ideas come back in vogue? I heard Rosé a couple times, and I thought, Rosé, those were box wines. That's what you got at Costco in a big box, right? Rosé and Chablis. When did so they that was that? that was California's or United States probably maybe not just necessarily California that was their attempt at copying you know, the very popular wine from Europe yeah um, and not doing a very good job <laughs> but no. today um, I I am a huge fan of rosé and I actually in addition to their Grenache based from from Provence and what Dow has I like Pinot Noir based um, rosé and you and most wineries up and down California coast will have that. Um, so walk me through though, because obviously Chablis is not a grape and Rosé is not a grape. I mean, you're taking some other, it's like champagne. You're taking some kind of grape and using some process to, 
to make some something out of it here. So what do they do to make Chablis or Rosé? Is it just less color? So I'm going to start the Chablis and I'll let, I'll let Josh finish. So first of all, Chablis, like Champagne, is a region in France and it's also part of the Burgundy region. It's the northernmost. The soil there is much different. It's much more uh, versus clay. It's the white stone. What's the right word, Josh? White stone. Chalky limestone. Chalky limestone. Um, so that itself is going to give the grape a different um, texture. So that's the terroir that we were talking about earlier. That's right, part of the terroir. Right. And then the fermentation process is going to be different. Um, what kind of grapes do they use, though? What is the underlying grape? You ready for this? Yeah. Chardonnay. Really? It's just a yeah. Chardonnay grape that they've tweaked and done something to here? They ferment it differently? So grown in different soil, and then um, the winemaking process is different. I, I didn't know stuff. it was a region, and I didn't know there was just plain old Chardonnay just made a different way here. All right, and what do they that's do why, with uh, That's why old, you got to stick with us, kid. What do they do with old rosé? It's just it's paler, so, so they must put less skins in or something. They must make it not as dark and colorful, or is it? what do they do different with rosé? I'll let Josh take that one. Yeah, uh, so rosé is, you know, it is obviously describes the color of the wine, the pink wine, rosé. There, you know, going back to what you were saying, Paul, about the rosé in this country, there was something, I believe it, it might have been Behringer. It was one of the California, um, the old California wineries created a wine called White Zinfandel. It was actually by, by accident. So that's yeah, why I think right. a lot of people, there's, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's still people today when they see a pink wine, they think of a blush or like this kind of sweet almost, um, you know, almost like a Kool-Aid type yeah. wine. But um, yeah. yes, traditionally, rosé is, is always made from red grapes. And uh, of course, because red wine gets its color from the skin. So what they'll do is, is they will use red grapes and crush and then leave the skin in contact with the juice for typically a short amount of time to just give it a little bit of that pink. And you can have a pale, pale pink almost you could barely tell it's pink to like a, like a hot pink magenta color kind of varies. Um, but rosé is nice. I, I sometimes call it red wine with a chill because, you know, it can have a little bit more body sometimes. Um, it's typically never aged in oak. If it, if it is, it's neutral oak. So it just gives a little more of a texture than a flavor of oak. Um, and you can have rosé still wine. And of course you can have sparkling wine rosé too, which was actually, my that, bonus that pairing. I've seen, yeah, and that surprised me because I didn't know. We went to uh, what's the big winery, Thornton's or whatever in uh, Temecula. I didn't know. I thought champagne just well, there was pink champagne and there was regular champagne. I didn't know you could make champagne. The champagne method of making stuff could be used basically with any grape, right? It almost almost any grape it. it'd be called yeah different things and. Um, so, and just make, just to make sure we clarify, Paul, so we're not talking about cold duck here. We're talking about actually. <laughs> oh, that was my favorite, cold duck. <laughs> you no, need I'm... some, uh, Paul, you need one of those uh, things that, you know, uh, sound effects, you know. That was a good one. It was a good one. <laughs> I see. Wow. I look at, we are, we are out of time, but I hope that the listeners got a good feel for, you know, wines that both Josh and I love, um, both traditional and non-traditional. I'm going to let Josh um, indicate his his contact info. If you have any questions, you want to get a little bit deeper into the wine pairing or deeper into any questions about and Dow, tell us tonight to if, him. if we are listening to the results or we're still or later weeks, months, years later, as they listen to this podcast in the podcast version, we're still commiserating 
win, lose, or draw, whatever happens tonight here, what's 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 the go-to wine for tonight here? What's the go-to wine for uh, watching election or for, for recovering from election? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give, since in the spirit of, of the election, I'm going to give um, a politically correct answer <laughs> and a non-politically correct answer. Okay, yes. good. Right. The politically correct answer is is anything made from Dow, uh, <laughs> because our wines are incredible and we do not make a single bad bottle of wine. Everything is phenomenal. There you go. And the other answer would be champagne, just, just because. It's, that's it's that's Bart's go-to thing, to you either celebrate in, or whatever, in, yeah. It's exactly. my go-to. Yeah, sound like that's the call tonight. Uh, Josh, how can people reach you? So uh, people can reach me via email. Um, it's very, it's very easy. It's Josh <laughs> at DowVineyards.com. And spell um, that. D-A-O-U Vineyards, plural with an S, dot com. Why do I want to put an H in there so it makes it like Tau or it makes it sound more oriental? Or do people do that? Or am I the only idiot that tries to make a DH instead of DA? No, that's not, that's not happened before. Oh, okay. Um, All right. So there you go. Yeah, that, that would be first. But yeah, Josh at DowVineyards.com or you can reach out to me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Mr. Lavis. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you for taking the time. This is always fun. And, um, Hope the listeners got something out of this. Look forward to being back in studio again next week. Cheers. Thanks. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting podcast.bartzanbergen.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartsandbergen.com. The contents of this podcast episode do not constitute an offer of securities or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities and may not be relied upon in making an investment decision related to any investment offering Access Wealth Management LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Access does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. Opinions are our current opinions and are subject to change without notice. Prices, quotes, rates are subject to change without notice. Generally, investments are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed and may lose value. Brokerage services are offered through to Sarah Capital, member FINRA.